This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. Baruch Hashem, my voice is back. I'm feeling better, thank God. And so, before I begin the stories, I want to dedicate this podcast to the memory of the soldiers that died in action, to the success of those who are still fighting, to the refuah shlema of everybody who's been injured or sick, the comforting of the families who lost loved ones, and Be'ezat Hashem, the continued unity of the Jewish people. I have two stories for you this week. The first took place in the town of Sasov, where there was a very simple and modest woodchopper. Nobody actually knew his name. He lived near the forest with his wife and family, and everyone simply called him the villager. And all week, every day, except for, of course, Shabbos, he would work his way into the forest and chop down wood. which he would then cut into smaller pieces, tie them up, and sell the wood in town. And during the week, he and his family, they just had enough to make it through the day, and they lived in great poverty. But when it came the holy Shabbos, this villager, the woodchopper, he would buy beautiful chalot, candles, wine, and other delicacies to celebrate the holiness of Shabbat. And of course, the family enjoyed the food that they ate on Shabbos. But they knew they couldn't eat by themselves. They had to have guests. And so, even though they didn't have a lot of money, and they didn't have a lot of food, they always invited other Jews to join them for the Shabbos meals. And there were times when they wanted so much to have guests that they actually didn't have enough money to have food for themselves. And so they would eat a tiny little piece of food and serve the rest of the guests. And so it is one Friday morning, the villager, the woodchopper, He was standing with his bundles of wood in the town market, waiting for people to come and buy his bundles. When out of nowhere, a woman comes over and buys the whole lot of wood for six silver coins. And so he was sold out. Six silver coins was quite a lot of money. It was enough for him to buy all of the food for Shabbos. And he was about to begin buying his food. When the great tzaddik, Reb Moshe Leib of Sasov, approaches the woodchopper, he says, Shalom Alechem, Alechem Shalom. Reb Moshe Leib of Sasov, he says to the woodchopper, My sweetest friend, there's a woman in town who was recently widowed, Achman Aletzlan, Hashem should have compassion on her. And she's so overcome with grief that she simply lays in bed and cries all day. And she has two young children, and she's not capable of taking care of them. And her health is getting worse. And those poor orphans are beginning to starve. So I'm collecting money to help them. Would you be willing to help? And the woodchopper, he was a good-hearted man. And immediately, he took two silver coins and handed them over to Reb Moshe Leib of Sasov. And Reb Moshe Leib was very grateful. He said, thank you very much. But really, I need a little bit more. Could you give a little bit more? And so, a little reluctantly, the woodcutter reaches into his pocket and he hands the tzaddik another two coins. And again, the tzaddik thanks him. And he said, my friend, would you be willing to give even a little bit more? 
And the woodchopper says, Rebbe, I'm so sorry, but I only had six silver coins and I've given you four. I only have two left. And as it is, I won't have enough money to buy wine and challah for Shabbos. But at least I can buy candles to brighten our house. And Reb Moshe Leib was so moved by this woodchopper's generosity and kindness in his love for the mitzvah of Shabbos that he decides to give the man a gift. And he says, my sweetest friend, do you have anything valuable at home? And the woodchopper said, no, Rebbe, I just have an old cow. The Rebbe said, well, when you return home, I want you to sell the cow. And with the money you make from selling the cow, I want you to buy the first thing that comes your way. And the woodchopper had an interesting look on his face, and the Rebbe could see that maybe he was doubting him. So the Rebbe said, I'm giving you my blessing, and Hashem will grant you success. And so the woodchopper returns back home, happy and full of excitement to see how the Rebbe's bracha is going to be fulfilled. When he came home and told his wife, you won't believe what happened. This woman bought all of my wood. This Rebbe came. I gave him four of the six silver coins. Then he gave me a bracha for success. And the wife said, that's great. We need a bracha for success. And the woodchopper said, no, you don't understand. We have to sell the cow. In order to get the Rebbe's bracha, we're going to have to sell the cow. And she said, but the cow is our main source of food. We live off of its milk and we make butter from it and we make cheese from it. If we sell the cow, how are we supposed to live? And with that, the discussion ended. The woodchopper didn't know what to do. He said, Hashem, I want to sell the cow. I want to get the Rebbe's bracha. But my wife is right. If we sell the cow, we won't have anything left. And also, I need Shalom Bayit. I need peace at home. Can't just go sell the cow. And all Shabbos, he's trying to figure out what to do. And Motzah Shabbos, the couple went to the barn to feed their cow and make sure she was doing okay. And no sooner had they entered the barn when a carriage with two businessmen pull up to the barn. They say, we're looking for the owner of the cow here. And they said, we're the owners. And the two businessmen said, we want to buy the cow. How much do you want? And the woodchopper knew this was the Rebbe's bracha coming true. He didn't have the guts to sell the cow. So the bracha was happening on its own. People were coming to buy the cow. So the woodchopper, knowing that his wife didn't want to sell the cow, he says to her, you tell them how much it's worth. How much are we selling the cow for? And she blurts out, we'll sell it for no less than a hundred rubles, which was an absurd price to pay for that cow. And right away, the businessman took out a hundred rubles and gave it to them. So the woodchopper, he looks at his wife, he says, no, you see, I got a blessing from a tzaddik. You can't stop the blessing. It's going to come true no matter what. And now the wife was supporting her husband. So the next morning, he takes the hundred rubles. His wife packs him a little lunch. And she says, Bracha v'atzlacha, my husband. May you have a blessing and success in buying the first business deal that comes your way. And when he gets to the center of town, he sees there's a group of landowners gathered around for an auction of an enormous estate. It's an estate with a mansion and an estate with animals and ponds and rivers and a great forest. And the person who left it behind had no children. And so the state is auctioning it off. And the woodchopper, this very simple Jew who had his faith in the great tzaddik, Moshe Lev Absasov, he said, I'm going to buy the estate. Now, the bids on the estate were 50,000 rubles. And this woodchopper only had a hundred. And he didn't know how he was going to buy an estate for 50,000 rubles when all he had was a hundred. But he did know that the Rebbe gave him a bracha. And you can't stop the bracha. And so he pushes himself into the crowd. 
and the wealthy landowners who were arguing with one another who was going to buy the estate, they see this poor woodchopper push his way in because he has the chutzpah to bid against them. And they knew there was no way that he had 50,000 rubles. So they decided to let him place a bid on the property. And he said, I'm willing to pay 10,000 rubles for the property. And the other landowners, they started laughing. (laughs) They decided they were going to punish the woodchopper for his chutzpah. They all decided not to bid on the property at all. Because when this Jew's offer would be accepted, there was no way that he could afford to complete the payment. And he would lose everything. Whatever he had, he would lose it. And so since nobody else bid, the woodchopper's bid for 10,000 rubles was accepted. And he bought the estate. And they said to him, well, you have to give a deposit. And he proudly takes out his 100 rubles as a deposit. And they said, good, in a couple of days, you're going to have to bring the rest of the money, the 9,900 rubles that you still owe us. And the woodchopper goes home feeling very satisfied and happy. He doesn't have a worry in the world because he knows that he got a bracha from a tzaddik and there's no stopping that bracha. Just like his wife tried to not sell the cow, the cow was sold. And just like there was no way that he could possibly buy such a huge piece of real estate, nobody bid against him. So it's true, he owed a great deal of money, but the Rebbe's bracha can't be stopped. And that night, as his family is sleeping, there was a knock on the door. And when they opened, they were shocked to see that it was the local priest. The woodchopper says, what are you doing here? And he said, I heard that you bought the estate today, the mansion and all the property. And the woodchopper said, yes, I put down a deposit and I owe still 9,900 rubles. The priest, knowing that the price was so low, it was absolutely absurd. He says to the woodchopper, I want to be your partner. And the priest figured, since he's going to own 95% of the property, he'll just kick the Jew off and nobody's going to stop him. And here, he'll get around all of those landowners and get this incredible property for really cheap. And so the woodchopper says, okay, I agree to the partnership if you're willing to pay the 9,900 rubles. And the priest said, here you go. He hands him 9,900 rubles. And he says in a few days, go and pay for the property. And so this woodchopper is looking at his wife and kids and he shows them the money and the kids are so excited they're counting the money again and again. And he says, you see, I got a blessing from the tzaddik and the tzaddik's blessing cannot be stopped. It's going to happen one way or another. Now the woodchopper didn't realize that the priest was planning on taking advantage of him and just throwing him off the property so that he could get this property for so cheap. But he didn't care. He had his faith in the tzaddik and in a kadosh baruch And so when the day came to complete the payment on the estate, the other landowners were standing there waiting to watch the Jew default on his payment. They couldn't believe their eyes when the simple woodchopper counted out 9,900 rubles and bought this enormous estate for so little money. They were furious, but there was nothing they could do. The property now belonged to the Jew and his partner, the priest. And so the woodchopper comes back home and he says to his family, we now own a new estate. Let's get in the wagon and go check out our new house. And so they're very excited and they're driving down the road. And they see there's a group of people on the road and he stops and he says, what happened here? 
They said there was an accident. The priest just died when his horses overturned the wagon. The woodchopper gets out of his wagon and he goes and he sees his business partner in the estate, the priest, lying there lifeless under the wagon. Of course, they didn't have any written agreement. It was just a handshake. And now that his business partner was no longer around, the property belonged to the woodchopper. And he turns to his family and he says, you see, I got a blessing from Reb Moshe Leib of Sasov, and the Rebbe's blessing has been fulfilled. And from that point on, the woodchopper didn't chop wood anymore. He hired only Jews to work on his farm, and he paid them very generously. And with the huge amount of money that he made from his livestock and his property, he distributed tzedakah to Jews from all the neighboring villages And on Shabbos, he would have a huge meal from the chickens and the cows and even the vineyards that he had on his estate. And he would host many people and send poor Jews home with money at the end of Shabbos. And he merited to continue doing this throughout his long and prosperous life. And whenever somebody would ask this woodchopper, how did you become so wealthy? He said it was very simple. I gave an extra two coins of tzedakah to a tzaddik, and I got a bracha, and the tzaddik's bracha can never be stopped. I have another story for you. This one is about one of my favorite Hasidic Rebbe's, Reb Zusha of Hanapoli. Reb Zusha, that may, just saying the words, Reb Zusha, may he protect us and help us to be successful. One day a Jew comes running into Reb Zusha's shul and the Hasidim stop him from reaching the Rebbe. And the Jew says, I have to see Reb Zusha. I have to see him immediately. And they said, listen, there's a big line. It's going to take a few months. You don't just go to see the tzaddik like that. But this Jew was on like the verge of a nervous breakdown. He said, you don't understand. I have to see the Rebbe. I'm desperate. And at some point, Reb Zusha overhears the Jew and he motions to the Hasidim to let him come over. And Reb Zusha says, please sit down, my friend. Tell me what's going on. So the Jew says, Rebbe, I have a tavern. I sell food. I sell whiskey and vodka. And there was a group of around 20 soldiers on their way back from some battle. And they see my inn, they decide to come in and refresh themselves. So they start eating and drinking, and I realize that there might be a chance that they wouldn't pay me. So I said to them, I want you to pay for everything in advance. And they said, no, 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 we promise. When we're finished, we'll pay for everything, down to the last penny. But when they finished eating and drinking, and I asked them to pay, they pulled out wads of money and started laughing at me. They waved the money in the air and then put it back in their pockets and demanded more food and more drinks. But when I ran out of whiskey, the soldiers got angry and they started breaking things in the inn. First, they smashed all the dishes. Then they broke the tables and the chairs. And they started joking about doing the same thing to him and his family and burning the whole inn down. Rebbe, there was no way to stop them. They're big and they're soldiers. And even the police are scared of them. 
So I had no choice. I had to run away with my family. We found a place to hide. But it's only a matter of time until those drunken soldiers will find us and burn the inn to the ground. Rebbe, please, you have to help me. Rebzusha gets up immediately. He puts on his coat and he says, let's get to your inn as quickly as possible. We'll go in my wagon. We have no time to lose. Rebzusha's wagon was not in such great shape and he only had one horse. But it didn't take long until they heard the shouting, the breaking of glass, and wild laughter. And it was scary, but Rebsusha did not show any sign of fear. On the contrary, he calmly walks into the inn, stands in the middle of the chaos, and then he sings a verse from the high holiday prayers. And all of a sudden, the soldiers stopped. They became silent and looked at Reb Zusha in shock. And then he repeated the verse another time. And then the eyes of the soldiers popped open in fear and they started shaking. And when he said it the third time, they started screaming hysterically and tried to frantically escape from the tavern as if it was on fire. <laughs> They were shoving one another, trying to get out so fast. Some of them broke windows as they jumped through and then continued running for their lives. And at this time, their commander, who had been delayed, shows up at a distance in his carriage. And he's amazed to see all of these soldiers running out of the tavern in all directions, waving their arms in the air and shouting like madmen. And he gets off of his carriage and he tries to stop them. But not only would they not stop, they didn't even look at their commander. It was only after he fired his pistol a few times in the air that he get them to stop and stand at attention. He went over to the first one. He said, what happened? But all the soldiers were so shaken up, they couldn't talk. One of them kept saying, Pach, 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 which is, of course, the first syllable of the word Pachtecha, your fear, Hashem. But eventually one of them came to and explained to the commander, we wanted to take advantage of this Jew and eat all of his food and drink all of his whiskey. And we weren't planning on paying him for it. And all of a sudden, this little rabbi shows up and he stands in the middle and he says some words in Hebrew that started with the word Pach. And we were so shocked. Every time he repeated it, we got more and more scared until finally we ran out of the tavern. The commander was furious at his soldiers. He said, you're a bunch of undisciplined hooligans. How am I supposed to win a battle with soldiers like you? He ordered them all to return to the inn, to fix everything they possibly could, to clean up the mess, and pay for all the damage they'd done. And individually, each of them apologized to this Jew. He told them again, I need disciplined soldiers. I can't win a battle with a group of hooligans like you. You are never to go into a Jewish tavern again. They all answered, and after they cleaned everything up and paid for the damage, the soldiers walked away with the officer, not understanding how his brave soldiers could be so scared of a little rabbi. But what he didn't know is that little rabbi was the great tzaddik, Reb Zusha, and no army was any match against the power of a tzaddik, like Reb Zusha of Hanapoli.
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friend, as always. Thank you to all the contributors. Really, truly thank you. And thank you to all the listeners. And please keep on sharing the podcast, my friends. Telling anyone that hasn't heard of it yet, there's 260 episodes. It's more than 400 stories recorded. And anybody who hasn't started listening yet is in for a real treat. And if you'd like to become a financial backer of the podcast for any sum of money, you can do so by going to my website, HasidicStory.com, H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. And until next week, my sweetest friends, take care of yourselves. Have a beautiful Shabbos and a good week in Zeigesund.